Hi, welcome back to The CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor of CIO. And this is the first of our monthly vertical specials. And we're kicking off with healthcare. Fair to say the sector was a little late to embrace digital compared with other industries. Yet it's now arguably the most interesting and certainly the most important frontier when it comes to harnessing technology to make our lives easier. Our first guest is Alastair Sharman, who is Chief Digital Officer with MATA Health as a healthcare organisation servicing Queenslanders. Alastair, welcome to the CIO Show. Oh, thanks for having me, David. Now, successful digital transformation in healthcare, perhaps you know more so than in, in other industries, requires the integration of some, some substantial, complicated moving parts, right? It oh, certainly does, and I suppose that uh, it's critical as well for us um, as we try and integrate both our health and education and research services. So, yeah, integration, I suppose, is a key message that's coming out of our strategy and our digital agenda as well. Sure. And so talk to me about the the, the core pillars that, that MARTA has for its digital transformation. Yeah, so I suppose in terms of what we're looking at is particularly uh, driving value-based healthcare, yep. which is critical to, one, our ministry around delivering healthcare, uh, across the state, which is both hospital-based but out of the hospital. Uh, alongside that, supporting our education ministry, which is about the light delivering uh, health education to not only clinicians but to consumers as well. And then finally, our research as well, which is really about driving improvement uh, from both a clinical perspective and also a health perspective. Sure. Um, and in terms of what's the value about integration, though, for us, is really about um, core to that is enhancing consumer and patient experience. That's our number one priority. Um, the second is really about making it uh, a better workplace for our market people. So our investment in digital and that integration of services has got to be make this a great place to work and make it easier uh, for people to get the information and decision support that they need mm-hmm. to deliver great care. Yeah. And how are you doing uh, as that? Well. Yeah, so probably in the first two spaces, we're particularly focused on uh, leveraging our partnership with Microsoft. Yep. Uh, so we're particularly looking at uh, leveraging the Dynamics 365 environment to deliver our customer relationship management capability, mm-hmm. uh, which is the aim of that is delivering, I suppose, a 360-degree view of people who interact with the MARTA. So whether it be um, uh, someone who's requiring care from us, uh, whether it's one of our students, whether it's one of our staff or whether it's one of our partner organisations or a visiting medical officer as well. Alongside that, the CRM piece for us is very much about uh, how do we rapidly deploy new capability. Uh, And in terms of about that patient experience or consumer experience, one example of that recently uh, is how we're delivering care and support for people in hotel quarantine. Uh, And so we've rapidly rolled out uh, Microsoft Dynamics to actually support the delivery of care in that space. Uh-huh. Um, alongside that, we also, uh, in response to COVID-19, provided a, a CRM platform for our clinicians, our nurses going out and delivering care in the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, rapidly rolling that, that out in a, an agile way uh, and also supporting with the support of Microsoft of really about a, an app that um, enabled them to, to deliver care much more efficiently as well. Sure, sure. And so with with as part of this Microsoft partnership, I'm, I'm assuming that there's a fair bit of data analytics or, or possibly even AI, ML component to with either that partnership or those technologies that you're looking at um, with other partners um, in, in, in the in the organisation? 
Yes, certainly is. So one of the things that we're particularly looking at is how do we get better insights into um, preventing people coming, or sorry, reducing the amount of people who have to come and get care in our hospital environment. So particularly the information, yeah, yeah, so particularly about getting early intervention and uh, preventative advice out to health consumers is a critical part. Uh, And so our analytics around who are the the people who are requiring multiple occasions of service in our hospital environment is a key piece of that. So, yeah, that data analytics piece really plays an important part and not only with the data that we have here, but how do we leverage um, that information that's available from our partners as well to support them as well, delivering better care so that uh, consumers don't have to come here. Yeah, and of course, you know, a, a key driver is is reducing reducing the overall cost of care and presumably, I mean, presumably you, you had a fair amount of investment in telehealth uh, pre-COVID, but I imagine that's really ramped up. Certainly has. So uh, we've got about 50% of our outpatient uh Activity now done either over the phone or via te- uh, via telehealth, yeah, via video conferencing. Yeah. Uh, so what we want to do though is shift from I suppose a high volume of telephone uh, interactions to more, if you like, true telehealth capability. Right. Uh, so that particularly about leveraging not only the video conferencing capabilities we have, but to actually make the same experience for someone who's going into a waiting room. Uh, and getting that support for the staff that, from our staff in a physical space uh, where people are coming to an outpatient clinic, to doing that in a virtual environment, to actually having a, a virtual waiting room with concierge, et cetera, services there as well mm. to make it a better experience for consumers who are also interacting with us virtually. Making it a better experience? I mean, is that is that is that on the horizon? Oh, it certainly has to be. Yeah. Uh, I suppose in terms of one of the things is that people expect, you know, have... Uh, a high expectation uh, and a greater level of choice in everything else that they do, all the interactions, whether it's uh, the travel industry, hotels, um, insurance, etc. They can do all of the, a range of things online now, and I think that same level of expectation is uh, in the healthcare space. Yeah, sure. And and the gathering of, of data if I did, at, at your end, um, tell me about that that part of the, the puzzle. Yeah, so I suppose in terms of healthcare has been uh, on a, a slower path to actually digitising a lot of its critical information. So mm. our key focus, particularly over the next three years, will be continuing to, if you like, digitise our medical record. Um, so that includes, I suppose, a, a first wave that has been scanning for us. So we're looking at, uh, by the end of this calendar, sorry, this financial year of actually across the state in all of our hospitals having scanning of the medical record. Alongside that, uh, moving into the actual documentation piece and actually having electronic progress notes. So I suppose that's our, our next wave of, of actually digitization is particularly for our outpatient environment, uh, is actually having, uh, electronic documentation of, of the notes. That gives us a much better visibility of the information about our patients. It gives us a much better ability to share that information internally within our organization in real time. Yep. But then also to pr- present those insights uh, as well around the data we've got so as we can have a better outcome for that individual patient but also from a population health perspective. So that, that, that's an area of the health system that's that's still, not, still yet to be digitised, people actually taking physical notes with, with pen and paper, right? And you're talking about turning those, digitising those records. That's, that's an interesting Yeah, so I think situation. we're... we're 
there's there's multiple systems that we currently have where people are entering uh, data into systems about that that care record. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of a range of our services where we still have paper, uh, varying organisations are at different levels of maturity around this. Yeah. And so we we're very much focused on improving that across and standardising that across all of our services. Though, so as uh, there is much less paper yep. uh, in in the process. And again, going back to that point is about uh, as soon as we do start digitising that information becomes then much more useful uh, and in terms of better outcomes, more timely response to care um, and more accessible information as well. Now, research is also, you know, in, in part of part of what, what the what the MARTA group does how how are digital technologies sort of you know driving improvements on the research side? Yes, I think in terms of what it does provide is as we digitise information, we do have richer data sets where we can do that uh, analysis of what are the what are the, the what are the illnesses we're seeing from a population health perspective? What are the treatments that are working? Um, so in terms of we do have, I suppose, large data sets that we are leveraging and de-identified mm. um, to support that moving forward. Yeah. Um, I suppose in terms of examples of, of how we use data from a, a research and even a planning perspective is was our response to COVID. Yep. Uh, and just in using the data to identify what would our PPE requirements be, for example, in different scenarios. So again, um Data analytics is critical not only to our current operations but to our future operations um, in that space as well. And what are you what are you seeing in the next sort of 12, 18, 24 months? What's your vision for you know for the the, the digital environment at, at Marta? Uh, I think probably the first one is is really around our business systems. Uh, with the recent merger across the state, uh, we're still on a range of different business systems. So. Um, particularly our, health, our, our HR and payroll systems. We're looking at standardising that across the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is upgrading of our finance system from uh, Navision to the Microsoft Dynamics 365 uh, and, again, to pro- provide a modern platform to enable us to be more efficient yep. uh, is critical, um, as well as then to integrate with our CRM uh, and, again, to improve the digital workflows and to automate a lot of the workflows as well. Again, to make it a much more, going back to your point about reducing cost of care, if we can make uh, our corporate services as efficient as possible um, and deliver value back to our frontline clinical staff, uh, therefore we do actually start reducing the cost of care as opposed to a range of inefficient practices we have because of those systems that are different across the state. Mm. Um, So I think that's probably our number one priority. Our second priority will be really around then continuing that shift from paper-based and manual um, records in the health space to digitisation and particularly a level of integration with our biomedical equipment yep. um, and being able to present those insights back from the biomedical equipment directly into the medical record and into our systems will be a, a key enabler for us to deliver better care yep. um, to consumers. Whether it's in the home, uh, and this is one of the areas that will be really exciting is actually having that information and the systems actually in the home mm. um, to improve that care in the home uh, as well as in our hospital environment. So I think there probably are two big focuses and shifts that we'll see in the next sort of 12 to 24 months. Yep. The others, I suppose, is more about continuing to move our digital workplace from being a very uh, capital-heavy investment every sort of five to seven years to an evergreen environment um, so as to, to move, you know, in alignment with what Microsoft's doing with its uh, Windows 10 environment. So 
again, to reduce our effort um, of maintaining our digital workplace and making it much more evergreen in how we support it. Uh, and probably the final one is really about just continuing to to support, I suppose, a range of our uh, capital works programs that are happening across the state um, mm. from a digital facility perspective. And what about the My Health record? I mean, it's it's a thing. It's um, it's a big, bold, ambitious thing. Um, but is it you know is it being integrated into your organisation? Do you see it being integrated into into the Marta digital ecosystem? What are the challenges that you're seeing there? Yeah, look, I think in terms of it's going to be something that continues to be uh, a range of our consumers will use that as being a platform where they get their clinical information from. So we are continually committed to providing information into it, um, like other healthcare organisations. So I think that'll continue to to grow um, in value. Uh, And again, it gives choice to consumers that this is a place where they can store their information, have access to their information about their health healthcare yeah. uh, and in terms of, yeah, we'll continue to support that. So uh, I think it'll become more and more value uh, valuable um, in the coming years um, and particularly, I suppose, with what the government is aiming to do is to digitise, I suppose, a range of transactions that's around uh, prescriptions, etc. cetera. Uh, it's, it becomes a, a mechanism for that to become easier as well. Sure, sure. Well, interesting times. Thanks so much for sharing those insights and uh, and good luck with it all and um we hope to have you back on the show soon. Great. Thanks, David, and thanks for your time and uh, look forward to hearing the, the rest of the podcast as well. Yes, indeed. All the best. That's been a popular catch cry over the past several years that effective digital teams need the freedom to fail. Joining us now on the CIO Show is Alan Pritchard, who is Director of EMR and ICT Services at Victorian Healthcare Group Austin Health. Austin is involved in... in um, helping patients with cancer, infectious diseases, obesity, sleep medicine, intensive care, mental health and others. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. Now, do IT leaders have freedom to fail in healthcare? No, absolutely not. No <laughs> way. It doesn't matter what we're doing, whether it's um, innovation or an upgrade to a, uh, an existing system, we've got to be 100% certain it's going to work and it's not going to have any negative impact on patient care. Yeah. Um, having said that, you know, that freedom to fail thing is really around the process, the the agile approach, the development and the human-centered design approach to um, how you get your user input and design the system in the first place. So in that context, we do have freedom to fail, yeah. freedom to fail and uh, and we are definitely trying to embrace more agile technologies and methods as we move forward. Sure. I mean, and, and we've, look, we've spoken in the past. I mean, Austin is certainly one of the healthcare organisations that, that is, is very much forward, forward thinking in terms of um, employing digital technologies. It's not it, digital um, deployment is not something that's, that's particularly advanced, one would probably say throughout the healthcare sector generally. But talk to me about some of the, the key projects that you're involved with at the moment that are, are effectively... Um, you know, putting you in a position where you would be, and, and certainly the physicians and, and other healthcare providers would be less likely to fail, be more effective carers for patients. Uh, yeah, and that's a good point, uh, David. I think it is all about improving care at the end of the day and using the power of modern technology to Im- improve the way we uh, engage with patients. So telehealth and mobile workforce are pretty key um, 
opportunities for the future. Com- communicating with patients electronically is another key driver for the service. Mm. Um, and then patient home monitoring systems and use of advanced settle- analytics are um, fundamental to the way we want to move and um, improve to improve care. So <clears throat> um, if I go through those, um, starting maybe with communicating with patients electronically, we've, we've just signed off on using Microsoft Dynamics CRM solution. Um, that will be our platform going forward for creating digital channels of communication. Mm. Um, uh, and that project will kick off in earnest shortly. Interesting, interesting in the, the deployment of a CRM. It's a, a sort of technology that most people associate with, with, with marketing and, and you know, obviously customer relationship management. This is a marketing kind of idea, but it's interesting the, the notion of it being deployed in a healthcare context. Yeah, and it is a bit of a, uh, it raises a few eyebrows for many people mm. for exactly that reason. But when you overlay the um, the sales and marketing journey in, that most commercial organizations have and the way they engage with their customers electronically throughout that journey, mm. um, it actually maps quite well to the patient journey in health it's just that we talk about referrals instead of marketing and we talk about um sort of engagement and communication around that referral and booking an appointment rather mm. than making a sale yeah. but the process steps and the and the workflow management and the communication methodologies are all the same yeah. the rules that we want to be able to build in are all the same so um, i think it'll map extremely well i think it'll be a very powerful set of tools uh, that'll give us a really sort of coordinated and unified platform across the whole service mm. to communicate with all the different patient groups about all of their different needs, but without popping up a hundred different applications, which would be a nightmare to manage. Yeah, sure. And I mean, obviously, this is data driven. Healthcare is is especially data driven now. You're you've been working on some AI machine learning projects as well, right? Yeah, we have. We've had, uh, there have been a few sort of research based, but we're really trying to move towards this idea of um, what McKinsey talk about being lab to factory or um, operationalizing mm. uh, AI. So, with our first foray into this was a project um, in the endoscopy space. So, uh, endoscopy is, you know, putting a device into somebody to have a look at the inside of their intestine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll get a, the, the clinicians will get a histology report back later uh, that'll say what, what it was that they removed. Um, and every quarter, a bunch of nurses need to sit down and do an audit of those endoscopy reports and the pathology reports and make sure that it's a, it's a quality audit. You know, are the samples being prepared adequately? Is the diagnosis... Uh, being made correctly and and it's all about just reading through these reports and and scoring them based on whether that was a cancer or not a cancer and if it was a cancer what sort of cancer sure. um, so we've gone through a project to replace that with the machine learning algorithm so just load the raw data up and let the algorithm do its thing um, and we're just getting to the end of the evaluation phase of that and it looks really uh, really promising. Sure. Um, the, the data scientists are doing a bit more work just to improve the 
Um, the sensitivity, back to your point about you can't fail, we've got to make sure that we pick up correctly every cancer diagnosis. We'd rather have a few false positives, but we can't afford to have false negatives, as it were. Yeah, um, and then, uh, but that looks like we're going to replace 30 or 40 hours of nursing labour with a few seconds of um, compute power each quarter, that, which, will, which, which will be a great effort. Yeah. And that has application across many, many parts of the health service because every part of the organization needs to do similar audits. Yeah. Um, and again, just for clarification, this is not uh, this is not an exercise in getting, you know, saving headcount. That's not the way we need to operate. We just need to take away a sort of routine drudgery from highly skilled and highly paid people and let mm. them focus on actual patient care that's the that's the goal here yeah and and people and people that are you know of all of all sectors people that are often overworked and and exhausted yeah and, they, and that's especially right. at the moment although we're not going to talk about that particular we're not going to talk about that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we promised that's right and now the other we did and now the and the other the other ai project i understand is um looking at um, determining whether patients are likely to be uh, likely to return, so sort of frequent visitors, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's that's right. So we critical, do have a critical people. area for you. Sorry, um, we do have some people who um, who finish up coming into the hospital many times over a twelve or month or two year period. Yeah, and obviously those people, you can find them, identify them later on in their journey, and and you know that if they'd had some more personalised and tailored health care um, early on and they'd probably have a better outcome and fewer visits to the hospital. So one of the big projects that we're just trying to stand up at the moment is um, to review all of the data that we have about patients and we do have a lot because we've been in the digital space for a good 10 or 12 years yeah. at scale yeah. um, and identify those people who come in early and then develop an algorithm to be able to predict when somebody is on their first or maybe second presentation into a hospital if they're likely to be coming back yeah. um, multiple times over the next 12 months. Yeah. Um, again, great improvement in care for the individuals um, <clears throat> and, a, and a big efficiency gain for the hospital if we can uh, reduce that burden on people who are coming back over and over again. And that segues into another sort of core area of focus I understand you have at Austin, which is um, home care. Um, and I, I, I understand that there's your home care strategy brings together quite a few different elements of your of, of digital. There's IoT, there's AI. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yep. So monitoring people or keeping in touch with people when they're at home so that they don't need to come back into the hospital again. Plenty of evidence to prove that that sort of early intervention or intervention or ongoing discussion with patients is, is the best way to keep people well and healthy. Um, so at the moment, we, are, we have several different pieces of work going on. So... We run a service out of Austin called the Victorian Respiratory Support Service. Mm -hmm. And that service has about 250 people out in the community, all of whom need um, what's called non-invasive ventilator support. So this is a mask 
attached to the face that helps them with their breathing. Um, and the traditional model is that people need to come into the hospital for their original assessment and get the equipment set up. And then if there's any deterioration or change, or um, then it's another trip into the hospital to just check the settings on the device and reconfigure the device and, and send them back on their way. Um, a lot of those devices are uh, internet enabled. Um, and so we're now just starting to capture the stream of data from the manufacturer, mm-hmm. um, ResMed, and on all of those internet-connected devices. And the respiratory department, the VRSS, are um, working on a model where they will um, assess those devices and their settings remotely in real time and they'll be able to have a telehealth consultation with one of their patients and um, and if there's a need to do any changes they can have while they're having the, the remote consultation with the patient look at the live stream or, of data from the device um, in full granular detail and then make the suggested settings talk the person through it and and assess the impact uh, remotely without that person having to drive in to Austin Hospital, and because that's a statewide service, that can be a long journey for a lot of these patients. So, big yeah. benefit for them. Um, and again, back to your freedom to fail thing, mm. um, the technology is not necessarily the hard part in this. We will get the technology set up and working. Mm. The, the main part of the project is assessing the clinical impact and making sure that there's no... Um, deterioration in patient care and that the outcomes are as good as at least and clinically as current care and then obviously the other outcomes that are expected to improve are is a reduction in need for travel and immediacy of access and all that sort of thing. Sure I mean look data really is the the oil that greases the wheels isn't it and it's um, a lot of people assume I think that um that the data is quite free-flowing in the healthcare sector. I suppose there's a couple of points there, that there's an enormous volume of it and growing probably faster than many other sectors. And there's also fairly entrenched sort of silos within healthcare, right? So it's not necessarily a given that, you know, that, that, it's, that you can get easy access to data. Has that been your experience? No, that's right. There's a, there's a couple of constraints. The first one is that um, the difference between what is definitely a clinical device and what's a consumer device. Uh, so there are challenges for health around the um, the use of consumer devices anyway because the first thing is you've got to prove that the, the data is reliable consistently over the duration of a day, over the lifespan of the battery and all that sort of thing. Um, but then many consumer devices are actually designed to communicate back to an app on a phone Mm. Um, and while so even if they do have good reliable information which is valuable to your clinician getting that information that data from the device to the app to the clinician in a useful way is a pretty complex and an inconvenient process to be fair which is a lot of people probably take it for granted yeah yeah, uh, whereas what we really need for any device that's um that's useful clinically is for all of the data points from that device just to get 
streamed up into some cloud service, mm. and then uh, we as a health service get access to all of the data about all of our patients and only our patients, and yeah. obviously provided the patients have agreed to it. Yeah. Um, and, and then we can use that data any way we want to, put it into a dashboard that's useful to the clinicians because the manufacturers tend to take a very linear view of this and go, here's our device, here's our data, we want to give it to you this way because we think that would be useful. But our clinicians want to be able to combine data from multiple devices and multiple systems and have us combine it in a way that's useful for them. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, It's interesting, you know, we were talking earlier in the discussion about the fact that the healthcare sector has is, is come, to, come to the party a little bit late, well, certainly as a whole in terms of its digital transformation, yet many of the experiences and the lessons that are, that are being learnt within, um, within healthcare I think are going to be quite instructive for CIOs working in other enterprise contexts in the future. Alan, thanks so much for sharing those insights. We really appreciate it and we uh, look forward to having you back on the show soon. Lovely. Thanks very much for your time, David. I appreciate it. And uh, all the best for the rest of the show. Thank you. Now, our final guest is Sharon Hackiness. He's a Senior Director Analyst with Gartner, a former CIO in healthcare. Sharon, welcome to the CIO Show. Thank you so much for having me. Sharon, would you agree that healthcare has the hardest road ahead when it comes to digital transformation? Big statement, I know, but it seems as though this might be, it might be true. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, healthcare has a hugely challenging road road for digital transformation. I think if you think about the complexity uh, in the environments in which we work, healthcare is delivered in so many different settings across so many clinical specialties with various types of clinicians. And then you start to think about how we access the data and information we need to deliver that healthcare, so many different sources of that data and information, bringing that together. How do we... um, you know, bring those that information together to deliver you know, real-time, actionable insights mm. to drive digital transformation. And, and, of course, we have this, this My Health record in Australia, which is a fantastic idea, or rather it's a fantastic ideal, but these challenges that, that, that you've just outlined seem to be embodied in that particular project, right? Mm. Absolutely. I mean, and it's been such a journey for for Australia, you know, and the concept, you know, when we talked about it as a personally controlled electronic health record, you know, 10 plus years ago, you know, it was quite um, advanced, you know, from a global perspective. And, yeah. you know, fast forward that time, we, we've certainly come a long way and, you know, obviously moving to a opt-out model, we, you know, now have, you know, vast majority of Australians have a My Health record. It will, you know... Now really need to look at we're at a kind of pivotal point where as your agency really starts to think about replatforming, how do we really start to drive value um, for clinicians and how do we start driving value for citizens and consumers of healthcare? What are those critical parts that the health record can, can contribute in that way? Yeah. And how do we achieve the data and the information within the health record and make it consumable mm. both by clinicians and by patients to give that value? And of course, the founding idea of it, and 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 perhaps you might agree the the sort of underlying uh, philosophy of all healthcare, and with the my healthcare record, is that patient health starts when patients are well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think you know for a long time, you know, in IT and in healthcare IT, 
we've been really focused on that kind of central part of the patient journey. You know, the, uh, a patient becomes unwell, they see a doctor, and that's where their journey starts. And we've invested a lot of time and energy from an IT perspective on that journey from, you know, noticing around well to assessing, diagnosing, treating, maybe rehabilitating. But there's a whole continuum of care that extends before that and afterwards, you know, from wellness and prevention all the way through to that post-chronic care follow-up. And I think we really need to start thinking about that whole care continuum. And, and certainly, you're right, where we can start to have tools like the electronic health, um, my health record and start to, and hospitals and healthcare services start thinking about their scope of care and how they engage their patients and consumers outside of that traditional kind of health model to a wellness model, um, we will see some significant changes in, you know, hopefully, you know, population health within Australia. And what do you see as the most, I mean, there's a lot of technologies that, that are being thrown around in, in this discussion in, in the healthcare space. What do you think are the key technologies, the technologies that healthcare organisations really ought to be prioritising at the moment? Um, well, I think for, you know, probably the good last 10 years, you know, many health services and um, the health system in Australia has been really focused on kind of some of those core systems around, you know, electronic health records uh, and, you know, foundational technologies. I really think it is time to really start extending beyond that. And if we take that theme of, you know, moving towards considering healthcare at a population level and, you know, the whole journey of the patient and, you know, the other factors that influence their well-being, their social determinants of health, we need to start thinking around consumer engagement. So we need to start thinking about investing in technologies that are around um, engaging consumers, engaging patients across that journey. We need to think about our technologies for interoperability, information exchange, and then our data and analytics capabilities on top of that to be able to use that, that data and um, information that we collect. And interoperability is, is critical, but difficult in healthcare, right? Yeah, I think um, no one would say it's easy. Um, and I think we've still got a long, a long road ahead of us. But, you know, we are certainly seeing inroads on a global scale on interoperability. In the, in the US, they've now legislated um, the use of, you know, standard fire APIs um, for their health IT vendors. We see New Zealand coming out with standards and, you know, Australia's made great inroads on secure messaging standards. So we're starting to see some kind of um, leadership in, um, at national levels mm. really start to drive and solve some of these problems of interoperability. Yeah. And, and back to my opening statement about, the, you know, the fact that healthcare has arguably the, the hardest road ahead with regard to digital transformation. It also potentially has the more exciting road ahead because healthcare is, is of course, a lot more than just, you know, biology and, and conditions that people have and the drugs that are used to treat it. There's all sorts of other factors that play into this, right? There's, there's your environment, your location, your socioeconomic circumstances. So there's potentially a, a massive, um, you know, data challenge that, um, that the healthcare sector has ahead of it. And with so many bright people in, in, involved, um, it's, there's, it's, you know, there's a fair bit of optimism that they might actually get there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's such, um, I think we're really at that kind of pivotal point where we can really start to think about, you know, the, the, the sustainability of the current way we deliver healthcare. You know, it, it, it's not sustainable. And so the conversations are really being had now around, you know, is the business model right? Do we have it right? Do we have it right funding on 
activity or volume and how do we shift that to yeah, this value-based care paradigm? And to me, technology is going to be, and digital transformation is going to be critical to enabling you know, value-based care when we look at whole populations of people and risk stratifying them, yeah. identifying and being able to start to nudge um, citizens, patients to take proactive care to um, you know, prevent illness yeah. rather than to wait until they're ill and they turn up to our service and we treat them then. So, you know, if we can achieve this transformation, you know, it's a whole societal impact, if you like, but the business model has to change with it. I think unless we start to look at the business model and how we fund healthcare, it will be a hard road. Yeah, it's interesting you you mentioned value. Value is critical in every industry. Value is a word that's bandied about in in all industries. It's certainly something that's, that's driving technology leaders in all sectors but in healthcare in particular we take it for granted that um you know that we get the healthcare that we can afford and Mm. if we if we're not you know taking proactive steps and if if the technology leaders in the sector are not leading this discussion about how to make healthcare more efficient how to analyze data more effectively where you know where we've got a problem Mm. yeah you know Fundamentally, you know, the value comes from, you know, the patients and, and their perception. Um, we may, you know, tick some boxes around, you know, the person came in, they needed a total knee replacement. We gave them a total knee replacement and we sent them home. But, you know, six months later, if they're still not able to do their gardening, do all their activities of daily living or actually are worse functionally than they were before, yeah. have we actually delivered value to the care? Yeah. So we really do need to think about, you know, a holistic person. And as you said, you know, those factors that sit around them and how we address, you know, everything, not just the, you know, 10 to 20% that contributes to health outcomes, which is the kind of the medical conditions. It's the other things that sit around it that are super important. And that is going to mean changing the way we look at how we integrate our care delivery networks, if you like, you know, creating integrated care delivery networks that combine health services, with social services, with other services to really holistically manage individuals and populations and groups of people. Yeah. And if we don't have the data coming together to deliver those insights, that will be chaos. Yeah. And also having the ability to analyse the data because, mm. you know, as anyone in healthcare knows, the mapping of the human genome was a, a, a massive uh, moment. It was a moon landing moment for healthcare. But um, it's actually not yielded as much um, insight into, you know, disease, human diseases, as people thought that it might? No, we, we, we've got a long way to go, but there's so much potential and opportunity to, um, you know, take those, you know, take that information with other information that we collect. And if you think about it, you know, the consumer, the healthcare consumer or the patient, probably, you know, many people are collecting their, a lot of their own health data every day, you know, they might have an Apple Watch or a Fitbit. So they're collecting their heart rate, their steps or, you know, their activity levels. So there is so much more opportunities. And, you know, the future is, you know, creating the digital twin, yeah. if you like, yeah. of, you know, the hospital system, but also of individuals and using that digital twin to be able to start to preempt a problem and, and react and, you know, pre- intervene before there's a problem or model and test what might be the best way to address certain issues and get to that real personalised precision medicine is certainly the goal. Yeah, massive challenges and interesting times ahead. Sharon, thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to having you back on the show soon. No problem. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, it's a technology that has received much hype over the years, largely due to its relationship with digital currencies like Bitcoin. But blockchain is much more than that, of course. Based on a peer-to-peer topology, blockchain is a distributed ledger system that allows data to be stored globally on thousands of servers, effectively recording the provenance of a digital asset. Its potential to totally transform processes from financial transactions to supply chain logistics medical research even is now undeniable. In this next episode, we talk to experts in the field about the realities of blockchain today for the enterprise and how CIOs can harness the technology to improve systems and processes. We hope you can join us.